0: There's one thing we do that is extremely prevalent in our everyday lives.
1: Yet few of us actually take the time to give it much thought.
0: Why do we think the way we think? Thinking is so simple and we do it all the time, but we rarely consider the mechanics of how our brains actually do it.
1: In a nutshell, thinking involves constant pushes and pulls between two systems that drive our minds. One is emotional and the other is logical.
0: Once our thoughts emerge from the battle, they are further influenced by several factors.
1: Like anchoring point, problem framing, and randomness.
2: More on these in a moment. Let's dive into Daniel Kahneman's book, Thinking Fast and Slow.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Motivation Minute. We discover all those timeless truths in the books you've been wanting to read so that you don't have to, and lay out actionable strategies you can implement today in your on-the-go lifestyle.
1: And today we've got Sam on the podcast for the second time. Uh, Good to have you back.
0: That's right, a returning guest.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. We are
0: thrilled to have you, me especially, because, you know, for all our listeners out there, you totally missed it. Last episode, we had the after show. And that was even better than the actual episode, which was pretty good. But we had to hear all about what Sam's actually into besides window washing, like mountain biking. He actually works at a bike shop and at a ski shop and with snowboarding equipment. And uh, let's see, and investing, which brought this book up. No idea that you were an investor until you know, we were talking for like two hours plus after we finished recording that night. So, and then again, an hour before we started today,
1: we were talking about investing our probabilities. And so that seems like something we should talk about in the future. So what do you think the main um, principles are in this book, Sam?
2: Yeah. So I I really like this book. Um, I think it, I think it gave a lot of wisdom to how it is that we make decisions you know, mentally and how we think through what it is that our next step is going to be. So the, the main point of this book is that there's two, two overriding systems that control the way um, we process what we do and the decisions we make. The first is the system one, which is the automatic and the fast system, and, and the two is, is the system two, which is the slower thinking, the more methodical thinking, and the one that you actually have to control and choose to sit down and take the time um, and focus and, and it's a lot harder to remain in that system two than to just kind of stick with system one.
0: Yeah, the interesting thing I found was that in system one, we're in that mode so often where we're emotionally driven. But then system two, it's harder to get into that mode. And the book brought up a lot of interesting examples where you know we tend to be risk averse because we're afraid of the risk versus thinking about what the risk will actually pr- potentially bring us. So it's like there's always this constant tug where you want to follow the emotions because they're there, but then you've got this factor. Well, it could be a very good decision you're making, but no one realizes it in the moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it kind of gave a negative view on the system one or the fast thinking of, you know, it's just kind of yeah following your emotions. And it's kind of what we all naturally want to do. It even has a picture of like a heart for the, a heartbeat kind of symbol here in this graphic for System 1 where it has like a, an eye, like a mental image for like System 2. So it's basically just kind of like, kind of following your heart, you know, just kind of going with whatever you, in the moment, whatever you think feels good. And that generally doesn't really work out in the long term.
2: Yeah, especially in um, doing investment or, or buying stocks and whatnot. That's like the number one piece of advice is never make a decision emotionally. And you'll hear it from Benjamin Graham and Warren Buffett and anyone that's ever done a lot of long term investing or even short term, but it's it's hard because you see you see a stock dropping quickly or rising quickly and you see, you know, the volume goes up, everyone's selling or everyone's buying and and you just want so badly to kind of hop on the bandwagon effect or, you know, you see it dropping so you're like you're thinking all right, I'm just going to hop out now because it's probably going to keep going down. Um, But the the thing is, is it's always best to stick with the most logical approach. So if you saw, you know, when you first bought it, like I think over time it's going to go up, then you need to be able to sit back and and not, you know, let emotion get into it and, and get anxious rather than, you know, think more methodically about. You know what's the best option for me? Is it better to just get out now and, and take this big loss, or you know just give it more time and, and most likely it's going to go up because you know over time most things do in in the long run. And so that's that's a hard thing is because I thought it'd be a little bit easier than it was, but I start getting into it and I just I, I get you get so fearful, you put all this money and then you're like, Oh man, this might go bad. Like maybe I should just pull out now. I've only lost so much. And then you pull out and then right after it starts going up again and you're like, Oh, I could have just left it in. And, and so it's just kind of this, you know, this cycle that you get yourself into if you're not, you know, careful and thoughtful about all of your actions.
0: You know, part of the problem is like the data is so accessible now. So you can always check your phone. How's my portfolio doing? Yeah. And, One thing the book proposed was like not looking at your portfolio except like once a quarter because you get less pain points when you do it that way and you're less likely to make a decision based on emotions than logic, which it's dangerous falling into the emotion category.
1: But then, you know, for for like extreme investing, like you're doing, Sam, you kind of need to look at it all the time. Yeah. And I, would you say, though, that sometimes... Wait,
0: so you're an extreme investor? I'd say so. <laughs>
1: I wouldn't. Yeah, I'm definitely lately, I've been trying to go for more of
2: a um, emphasis on, on short-term goals. So my mindset right now is that uh, I'm at the place where I can take a little bit of a loss. I'm not too concerned, you know, that way because I still have time. So Instead of long term, I'm going a little bit more for a, like a buy and sell. I probably, I'll probably buy a stock and hold on to it no longer than a couple months at most. So for me, I'm constantly you know checking checking prices almost every day, basically. even through school, I'll, I'll watch prices just to see if I can sell it and buy it, which may not be the most you know, recommended advice from, for those who will go for the super long term um, game, but you know' that's just, that's just kind of the, the type of investing I've chosen to do so
0: far. Well, I'm curious like are you how often is your gut right when you make a decision?
2: Well, it's it's hard to say d- differentiate between if my gut's right or if if the economy's just doing well. But over the last 2 years, which is when I've really gotten into it, it's it's done good. I've I've managed to probably return just about double what the average was. So oh. it, it's 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 been all it's been all right, but or I mean double what like um a long term average is, you know. So last year 2017 the the average was about 22% which is incredibly high for compared to an average over the last 100 years is about you know 7 or 8%. So and so I'm not really sure necessarily if it's just the economy's doing good so really everything's you know relatively going up or if you know my decisions are are right but either way it's it seemed to be working so far away. I guess we'll see how it goes you know if we if we take a little bit of a dip. Would
1: you say though that I mean since you're always checking your investments like Sometimes using your gut feeling is good or do you think that's just always not the best thing?
2: I think I I probably check it more just to know. I get too anxious not being able to know where it's at. I would say true I would say if if you were checking it every day because you were wanting to sell it on the spot that's probably you know not not a good idea it's rarely going to go well because there's really no way for you to know exactly what's going to happen just because it's going down doesn't mean it's going to go down tomorrow you know and so I probably check it more just because I, I like to know where it's at I would say definitely you know do the research and check you know the past and what it's done before like a 200 day average and 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 wait a little bit. I mean if you know there I had one situation where I had I had thought this company was gonna do super well because they had made an agreement with a with a larger company and so they were gonna start getting used more and start building more factories and so I I had put a large portion of my portfolio relatively into this and I thought it was gonna do great. And, and right before they were going to sign this contract, they were going up and up and up. And all of a sudden they broke off the contract and, and basically went went bankrupt. They're going to restructure their finances, their whole company. So they went from $17 to like, $0.85 85 cents within four hours. Whoa. And so like and I and I was in the middle of stuff and I'm I'm getting these notifications on my phone. I'm, you know, <laughs> calling people, I'm like trying to get a hold of my dad because he's at home and he and that's at the time I couldn't do it from my phone. And so I'm like, sell it all, sell everything, get rid of it. <laughs> like, and so situations like that which are which are really rare. That's you get it's only that risky generally if you're dealing with, you know, penny stocks or or something of that sort. But for the most part, I think it's definitely a, a lot wiser to to um, wait, Rarely go with just what your gut feeling is because, you know, it, it, is, it is basically a known fact that no one can beat the market. The reason people make money in the market is because on average, the market always goes up. But if you're, if you're trying to buy, you know, one day and sell high the next day, it's, it's not going to work. Um, the only reason that it's, you know, kind of worked for me is just because everything's been going up for a couple of years now. So no matter what I'm kinda of buying and selling on average, it's just been right. doing well. And so I've just kind of keep moving it around just to just to learn more and get experience and how it works in different companies and what their trends are.
0: Did that particular company ever rebound from eighty seven cents after you sold? Not yet. Really? I know. So that got worked. That got feeling.
1: Yeah, that was that was a rough day. That was a hard one. I think what I'm hearing is like it just comes back to what we've been talking about in almost all the books we've read is, you know, the slow, the slow route is almost always the be- the best one. Because, um, yeah. you know, in the book it talked about system one, you know, it's fast. It's it's faster, easier, you know, it, it's to make decisions um, based on emotions, but it just doesn't work. And, and just because something's faster doesn't mean it's going to be- work out in the long run. Whereas, you know, slower is better. It's kind of... a Recently, I just um, saw, uh, saw this video where a guy was talking about deductive versus inductive reasoning. And basically, it kind of is the same as in the book, the system one versus system two. But inductive is, you know, like you're just kind of, you have guesses, you see patterns, and you assume things. And it's kind of like you make theories. Um, and it's not reliable, you know. But deductive, which is like system two, is... You know, you actually research, it's kind of scientific. You can look at the facts, what the facts actually are, not what you, you know, think it might be because someone told you, oh, this stock's going up, you know.
0: There was this point in the book about the anchoring point where, how when we make a choice or when like our stock dips or something, the amount it dips relative to where it has been normal changes how we view it. And, So like, if you dip a little bit from a high number, you don't notice the change as much as a huge dip from a high number. But at a low number, a small dip is seen as larger. So the book gave this excellent example about terrorism and how our emotions, system one, have far exceeded the actual risk of terrorist attacks. And now we have the TSA, which... I'm flying to see Jariah, and we're sitting in Baltimore airport. It's a zoo at security. We've got this line that took me, you know, almost 30 minutes to get through probably. And I mean, the people were so slow and I'm thinking they got the wrong guy this whole time. They give us all this, these problems when we're not here to blow things up, but it's because we, our emotions are so strong after nine 11 that we outweigh the actual risk of another nine 11 happening. And don't put the effort into the right areas because we're driven by emotions. Wow! And it happens in everything.
1: So, but it's not better to be safe than sorry in that situation, I guess, because in a sense they are overthinking, being too too methodical, and too too much on systems. Too, you know, kind of in a sense.
0: Like if you're sorry, that's really bad. Versus being safe, everyone's happy with being safe.
1: Yeah. But I think there's still an extreme of that was a good example of, of going too far on the other way of everything has to be, you know, so, because you can never eliminate any chance of, of error, right? Like, so it's, you can go too far, like, sometimes, yeah. like, I mean, obviously in some situations in business, like, you got to use some of, like, intuition, like, okay, what makes sense to me, it doesn't have to, you know, I'm not going to find it on Google. It's just like, you know, you got to use some fast thinking sometimes but I think
2: exactly you can you can never eliminate all error no matter which way you go so you just kind of have to find that equal balance between you know sometimes like you said thinking a little bit emotionally thinking like when I when I realize my stock is dropping 10% every two minutes you know that might be the time to get out you know you're, you're thinking really emotionally at that point and then other times you know where you see it dipping a little bit but you decide hey. I started this and I think it's still going to make this return in this amount of time. So I'm going to leave it. I'm not going to get freaked out. I'm not going to get anxious and stressed. And so I'm just going to let it do its thing and and hopefully it'll do what I thought I was going to do in the first place. And so I think, I think, yeah, in, in those situations, similar to, you know, like the TSA, you have to decide which, which error is more important to you. Is it, is it more worth it to you know, potentially let some you know a tragedy like that happen um, at the expense of people have to wait in line, people are inconvenienced, their stuff is searched, they're patted down, or you know people can walk freely through the airport, but you might you know risk something else happening. So I think they've taken that situation and they've they've minimized absolutely tried their best to minimize the risk of of that tragedy at the expense of other things happening, and it's. And it's and it's kind of the same when you're investing you want to minimize you know the the huge risk of losing a lot um, and so when I make that decision that you know it's dropping slowly um but I'm not gonna sell, I still have a risk that it could keep going down and I could lose anyways but in my mind, I think it's 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 minimized the risk of losing a a ton by just you know getting out when I'm already down
0: you know on our logical theme of thinking, so when you are In a negotiation with someone this book said being the first to make a move is key if you're selling a house you want to be the first to move because you're trying to make more as the seller and the buyer is like oh that was more expensive than i thought it would be and they make a decision relative to that versus the buyer making the first move and the seller being like whoa that's not enough so i'm curious in like a business are you guys the first to bring up a price to a customer
2: Yeah, I definitely have always probably brought up a price first, and it's probably mainly because you know my clients in a window washing uh, business generally don't know a ton about you know the the job that I'm doing. The actual effort it takes you to do it. Yeah. So and it's hard for them; they don't. They're not really super familiar with what it is. You know, I'll oftentimes get someone that's had a window cleaner do it before, and I can kind of compare prices. Um, that way, but as as far as just throwing out the first number, yeah, I've definitely um, I'll put out what's what's fair because I think I think doing a job like that is different from selling something. Whereas if you're selling something, you're willing to take you know as much as you can get for it. Whereas if I'm doing a job, you know, at a certain limit, I don't want to get paid more than what than what it is. I think that that job is worth you know yeah. because because that that could potentially take away future customers that they're going to tell you know other people about or coming back to do their job again even if they're willing to pay it they you know might think wow i I don't know if i'm going to want to do that again and and situations like that so i would say i definitely put out a price that i'm fair to do it at and and generally you know it's not much of a negotiation they'll they'll either take it um or ask you know slightly less and and i'm willing to go with that too
1: yeah and that's a perfect example of like how much you've thought about that obviously like as you do business or whatever you have to learn about you have to like consciously think about this stuff because nat- your natural state is to just kind of go with your emotions like oh, I'll give you a really good deal I'll, pr- I'll charge too low or if you don't know you might charge too high but I've sold some stuff on um, Craigslist and people would come and, and, they, and if I had to give if I didn't start high I would just lose it for really cheap because you know, because I finally figured out that people are always going to be undercutting, you know, they're going to try to get a better deal. You definitely have to play a little bit and you have to like start what above what the real value is of the product so that you can work down and that, to make it seem like a good deal. But
2: I think that any, any decision people make as far as choosing your product or choosing your service is always generally going to be made on system one, but I think they take uh, two things into account, and I think I prioritize you know, the opposite of kind of what, you know, big companies like Amazon and stuff like that are going over. Cause a lot of people look at how cheap it is, how, you know, how cheap it is, how easy it is to get there, how fast it ships and stuff like that. And the other side of it is the quality of it, how nice it is, you know? And so when I'm going for the service, I'm not necessarily, you know, trying to say, Hey, most, most window washers charge this much, and I'm gonna charge half the price. Or I was charging this much, but if you call within tomorrow, I'm gonna to charge this much. Right, right. You know, I, I keep my price. I keep my price just about consistent um, with with the market average. And but the thing that I but the thing that I'm trying to sell is the customer service, the quality of my work. You know, stuff like that. And so they they've gotten to the point where you know if they're really looking for someone else to clean their windows you know, whereas they could probably most likely do it themselves. They're looking for a quality job, something that's not going to inconvenience you. It's going to look good, you know, and they're going to trust that all their stuff's going to be taken care of it and nothing, you know, is going to is going to happen in the long run. And so that's, that's what I've, you know, prided my work on. Not so much as, you know, trying to seem the cheapest, but trying to seem the best, you know, quality over, over quantity in the long run.
1: Yeah. I think you can definitely build a business uh, being totally honest and, completely offering because you're offering so much value and that's how you can build a business i think that's the best way to do it for sure
0: so we hope you enjoyed this episode on thinking fast and slow If you'd like to hear more like it, you can just tap subscribe.
1: And it was great having you on the podcast, Sam, this week again.
0: For sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Really fun. And we hope to have you again soon. And if you get a chance, feel free to leave a review and
2: you'll be entered to possibly win a free book that'll that'll get sent out to you. So go ahead and do that.
0: Absolutely. Well, thanks, guys, for listening. We will see you again next week.